Hey guys, what's up? This is Morgan from Kitty, and you're listening to Focus on Metal. Focus Metalhead Scott Thompson welcoming you to episode 108 of Focus on Metal. So today's episode features Richie and I going through Saxon Mach 2, and of course we had a lot of email about Mach 1 and that whole episode. People really enjoyed it, and they were kind of like, hey, when are you guys doing the Mach 2? And so we got a lot of good feedback about that, so it was Richie was kind of really pushing and saying, hey, I think we really need to you know, get back on the horse here and get another Saxon episode out, and who am I to argue when it you know, really comes to Saxon? In fact, I, you know... Earlier tonight, I was listening to the Lionheart album, and I, I tell you, every time I play that one, it just absolutely kicks my ass. Probably one of the best Saxon releases ever. But anyways, back to the episode at hand. So tonight we will do Saxon Mach 2, which is basically going from Power and the Glory all the way through Destiny. So a lot of good discussion there between Richie and I. And of course, hey, that's the other cool thing about episode 108 is, of course, having Richie and uh, just having a pretty much all-out discussion-based episode, and I know a lot of people like the discussion-based episodes more than the interview ones, so here's one of those. But before we get to that, how about kind of doing a track of the week? So this week, I was kind of in a thrash mode, so I thought, hey, let's gratify that whole thing with the thrash mode. And of course, Metal Blade, one of our uh, label partners, just released Sacred Reich live at Vakken, and just a great, great release. You know, if anyone's a, a fan of old, you know, early Metallica, then uh, definitely, uh, if you haven't heard Sacred Rite, you're going to love this. Just really great stuff. And of course, Sacred Rite, uh, they, you know, they were around, they kicked off sometime around 85 or so. And, uh, you know, they were just kind of this really, you know, underground band and stuff. They ended up, they recorded, I think it was Ignorance for a Metal Massacre, uh, was it, I think Metal Massacre 8. And uh, basically they got a lot, of, a lot of uh, intention out of that. And Metal Blade signed them. And then actually they were, uh, they were actually offered some distro through uh, through uh, Capitol Records as well. Just old school Metal Blade artist, and uh, so basically from um, from 2000 to about 2006, they kind of disappeared. Uh, that was after uh, the uh, the last last like li- last studio album they done was Heal back in uh, 1996. They put out a live one in, in 97, still ignorant, and then there was a compilation that was uh, put out in 2007. But basically, they hadn't done anything. But now Metal Blade has put out. Sacred Reich live at Vakken. And I'll tell you, these guys, they sound fantastic. Definitely something to go pick up. You know, there's also the DVD available. And I would urge you, if you guys like Sacred Reich or you're just into thrash, you know, I think you'll hear this track and you'll really kind of get get the feeling for it. These guys are just so happy to be back. I don't think they really plan to do anything new at all, but just just amazing just group of guys. And, uh, you know, it's just so cool to hear a band out there just really just pouring their heart out and the fans are way into them, just excited to see them. And it's just like a really, really cool recording. And uh, Phil Rind on vocals and uh, in bass just sounds just sounds amazing. You know, and Greg Hall on drums, Jason Rainey on guitar, and, uh, and Wiley Arnett also on guitar. Just like all the original members just out there doing it. And it just sounds, sounds fantastic. So you guys should really check this out. And if you like what you hear, then I would urge you to pick up Sacred Reich live at Vakken that was just out on Metal Blade. So I thought, uh, you know, what am I going to roll? It was a pretty tough choice. And, it, you know, you hear that again and again when I talk about track of the week. And definitely this was another one that was absolutely a very, very tough choice of what 
I was actually going to play off of this release. You know, and I suppose that's probably part of the cool thing about the release too, right? Is you got all these tracks and you're just really just trying to decide, what am I going to play? It just all sounds cool. The one that I kind of ruled right away out of the whole mix was they do a cover of War Pigs. Great cover, but you guys want to hear some Sacred Reich, some just classic Sacred Reich. So, you know, I was thinking the American way they kick off with. I was thinking about the classic surf Nicaragua, but ultimately I think I've decided that I'm going to spin you track 10. Another classic, just anthemic Sacred Reich tune. This one's called Independent. And after that, be uh, Richie and I just battening down the hatches and digging in through Saxon Mach 2. Two of one of my favorite topics of all time, and uh, believe it or not, it wasn't my idea to do this one tonight either. No, it was uh, mine. 
know, we thought uh, Richie had a you know pretty good idea of why don't we delve into Saxon Mach Two, and of course you said you know one of the things that you were heard heard was some news about the movie. Yeah, the, I heard that the movie has been re-released, so that people will be able to get it because it was very hard to get for a while, and you hear all these great things about. You know, the movie was fantastic. And I remember looking on Amazon and some other places trying to buy it. Yeah. And it was either an exorbitant amount of money or you just couldn't get it. Yeah. And it was like, it was a bit of a bummer because, you you know, all these people saying it's great and you just can't see it. Right. <laughs> so it's it's good that it's been re-released. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully people should pick that up. Because yeah. it's fantastic. Yeah. It is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I picked it up and then and you spent a whole day watching yeah, it. Yeah, so. well, it was, it was it's... Well over two hours long. It's um, I thought it was better than uh, some of the movies. Like, you know, people t- thought the Anvil movie was incredible, and and it, re- it is a really good movie. But the Saxon movie is as good because it ha- it has all the members of the band yeah. talk, and even the guys that haven't played with them yep. and fell out with them, the, the original guys years ago, are they all have their say in the movie, and they're not just bit parts in it either. Right. They're integral to the the whole movie. Yeah, so. it's it's really well done, and yeah, I mean, I got it. And um, I hadn't had a chance to watch it. I had it for a couple months, and then like the day after, I'll say that I think the day after Christmas, I think, or was it the day after New Year's? And everybody was like sleeping in the house, and I'm like, ah, screw it, I'm up, I pop that in, to well, watch that, you know, everything, the whole movie, all the extras. Yeah, well, that's what one I did. One thing after another. That's what I did. There was no one in the house, and I said, right, I'll watch this. And yeah. It was like two and a half hours, boom, just went by, and it was like, wow, this that was incredible. Yeah. Incredible. So yeah, yeah. it's. Well worth getting. Well, well worth getting. It's, it's absolutely well, well worth it. Yeah. So obviously tonight we're delving into what we call Saxon Mach Two, which is kind of the stuff that, then you know the next albums that came, and you know obviously last time we went uh, up with the original four, and uh, so tonight we're kind of on the next phase of of Saxon, where now they've kind of built more of a following they've come across the pond they're getting a following over here For some reason i was thinking we were starting with crusader probably because i just think of crusader as kind of that thing and i always forget and i was thinking we did power in the glory but no, we, didn't. we didn't but i'm like kind of for shame that i forgot about that but uh but yeah so we're gonna go basically from power in the glory tonight right up to destiny which is like thank god it wasn't their destiny <laughs> but uh yeah, so why don't we just dive right in with um, with power and the glory, which oh. I think is right. Let's great. get right. Let's get the uh, the obvious out of the way first. The cover is horrendous, horrendous. If that if, <laughs> if I was in a record shop and I was looking to take a chance on an on an album, yeah, I wouldn't have bought that. It's if that's the best they could come up with, I'd hate to see what's on the cutting room floor. Yeah, it's I, it's definitely interesting. Even twelve by twelve, you know, vinyl, you can see it still. Now you can really see the vibrant hot pink yeah, and it's, stuff. It's bad. It's uh, it's it's interesting. <laughs> it's um, bad. I'm trying to think. I'm looking here, and, and, and Nigel, Nigel Glockner uses Ludwig drums and Peisty cymbals. And we were just looking at Saxon 747. And they were talking about Nigel's new Peisty cymbals. <laughs> but he's he's been sticking with those forever. Um, yeah, this was interesting too. I don't remember if they go into it at all with the liner notes that Malcolm did on this one. Do, but like, what's interesting on this is it's Jeff Glixman, yeah, produced this, yeah, who's an American producer, mm-hmm. um, which was interesting. And um, did Malcolm talk about that on the notes on that too? Um, on the what I'm referring to is the uh, the remasters. And if you remember from the first talk about this, we talked about 
if you're gonna dive into Saxon, buy the remasters. They are well worth the money. Oh, they are. And all. they are. Believe me, they've got everything on it. Warts and all. B sides, live tracks, demos. They've got demos on this. Oh. Yeah, Jeff Glixman. Um, this album to me, fantastic. Yeah, fantastic album. Um, I love the production on this. Uh, I just think that the band experimented a little on it. The songs on it are great. They've still got the uh, the punchy sound. Mm -hmm. The bass, the bass, and the rhythm section on this album uh, to me is incredible. The, the drumming on this is incredible. And tracks like Warrior, and um, yeah, Mike's, I think Mike's Nigel's touch. firmly in the band at this point, and and kind of the, um, you know, Pete Gill's out for yeah. sure, and Nigel's yeah, full time, you know, raring to go. And yeah, I think you're right. He put his stamp on this. Yeah, um, and you can really hear it like the beginning of. Uh, like one of my favorite tracks on it is uh, "This Town Rocks." Yeah, and he's just pounding them on that. Oh one. yeah, the drumming on that. Yeah. yeah, but some of the guitar work on this is great as well. Yeah, the, the, some of the solos on it are great. I just think that the band sounds on top form yes. on this album, and I think I don't know about you, but this I think this is probably an overlooked album. I think people think of the, the Denim and Letter and Strong Arm and yeah. Turn to Glory kind of gets overlooked a little yep. bit because I think they did start to. Uh, Changed their sound a little bit on the likes of like Nightmare, um, you know, which is a bit more commercial. Yeah, well, even um, and although I like it on this, is they you know they redid Susie Hold On on this album, mm -hmm. um, and that definitely sounds more commercial than the original one did. I actually really like the version that's on here. It was kind of like for me it was one of the highlights of Side One. Yeah, um, which is kind of odd for me but i think you're right this thing does get overlooked a lot but it's got great stuff on it between power and the glory then they still do that they still do town rocks mm -hmm. uh i think it's i mean obviously you know eagle has landed has gone down as like one of these legendary songs for them because they keep naming all kinds of crap after that so. I, 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 i'm not a massive fan of that song i think it takes too long to start and then just yeah. as it's getting good at the end it finishes <laughs> Because the solo comes in and then it speeds up a little and then the song ends. It takes about two over two minutes to start. Yeah. Now I don't remember on the remaster. Do they have? Actually, I didn't pull that one out. Did, on the remaster of that, did they have the demo of Eagle Has Landed on that one, or was it on one of the other ones? No, it's not on this. Okay, because one of them has the demo, the early demo of okay. Eagle Has Landed, and, and then you really hear what you're talking about. Like, yeah. holy crap, is this thing ever going to get off the ground? No yeah. pun intended. You know, I don't know which one that's on, is that? Let's see. It's not on that one. I don't know what the hell one it's on. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Yeah, I don't know which one that's on. But, uh, great album. Note to self, it's on the Strong Arm of the Law remaster. Yeah, I, I think great it album. is. Love the production on it, love the songs on it, love the playing on it. Yeah, um, it's... I was like, you know, when I heard this, it definitely had the right sound for the time. Yeah. So it kind of, it advanced their sound a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but it was still clearly Saxon. Yeah. And you kind of went through the whole thing and you really kind of liked everything that was on here. And it was just kind of like, okay, good. This is still, you were eager for the next one to be like this. Yeah. 
You know, it didn't stray very far from, from prior. You'd almost want to dump this into the other four initial classics, uh, but it's, it's uh, yeah, it's, I don't know. I, I've see, always liked this one. Yeah, you see, to me, this is where the band experimented, not too much, but and it worked, which is probably what you won't find with the next set of albums. But yeah, they didn't veer too far away from their original sound. Yeah, like there might have been one or two songs on it, and yeah. it, it, and the songs were good that they experimented on, um, and they had the you know they still had the original up to a point it still had the original Saxon sound. Yep. Now, um, you bought this when it came out. Yep. Over here, mm-hmm. so was this was really that had a US release yep. then? Yep. And what's did they tour that one here? Can you remember? I don't remember if they toured this one at all. Okay. Yeah. Did and, it get any airplay over here more than any of the rest of them? Or? Oh, I played it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no, not really. It would have been on like specialty metal shows, things like that. But uh, MTV wasn't around. No, that's too no, early for MTV. No. Eighty-three. And you know, and you do talk about. You know, you talk about the front cover. Yeah, it's horrendous. Well, look at the back cover. That's as bad. <laughs> I mean, you don't really get a sense yeah, of it but, on the yeah, on the yeah, little hold on, hold CD. On a sec. If you if you're in a shop and you don't like the front cover, you're not going to pick it up to look at the back cover, are you? No, you're not. <laughs> when you look at the back, this is one of these ones I've always looked at and gone, okay, I know it's the front cover wrapped to the back, but like, what the hell is it? Yeah, like it's this terrible. is like giant black. And there's nothing on the in, on the on the No, in, it's no a lyrics, plain no white nothing. sleeve. Oh god. Just a plain white sleeve, nothing. Oh god. Yeah. So okay. it's still career. Oh uh, yeah. So, you know. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that was the last.
start to go a little wonky on us, which is still okay. career, but it's it's Crusader. Okay. Right. I think that this one hurt them a lot in the UK. Yeah, yeah yes. Because it's almost the curse, like it's the Def Leppard curse, right? That on On Through the Night, Def Leppard did the Hello America, and they mm -hmm. basically took a slap from the British fans yeah. for like, you know, you bastards, you posers. You're you know, 18 wolves, and you're already selling you're out. You're sucking up yeah. to the American market. Mm -hmm. And they basically, Saxon took a lot of heat yeah. for sailing to America as mm -hmm. well. Even though it was more of a, um, it was a, a lyrical reason for the song. It was, it yeah. was, you know, it was a historical thing. It wasn't, yeah. uh, it wasn't really playing up to America. So, and it's, it's not like they haven't done historical stuff before. No, they, you know. Um, I love the cover. Absolutely love the cover. Yeah, the front cover. I like the front cover mm. a lot. Yeah. Then the back cover. Kind of always reminded me of the first Saxon album. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, and the other part too is that is that the uh, and I don't know if this was intentional and I know it's not the same artist who did this one. Yeah, so it's not. It's Paul Gregory. Okay. But this cover has a very kind of a Frank Frazetta kind of feel. Okay. And this part of the cover reminds me a lot of Molly Hatchet. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I've seen some of their covers. I know what you mean. You know? Yeah, I do. I know what you mean. And uh, but it's it's. I like the front cover. It's 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 cool. It's a cool album name. I got very excited when I saw it. Um, even the treatment they did on the logo, mm -hmm. and it's kind of that model like steel. Yeah. Like it's an old battle axe. So it really brought out the way they did it for the S. Uh, you know, as opposed to when you look at, you know, that it's kind of. Yeah, I know. Eh, <laughs> but. You know, in the earlier ones, but this one looks just really powerful. I just wish that the album itself, the music was as powerful as the cover. Yeah, like I'm, I'll get, we'll get into that now. You see, Kevin Beamish was Oreo Speedwagon, wasn't he? He was one, one of these guys who did some of the... Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. AOR bands. Yeah. Okay. Now, Kevin Beamish came on my radar because he ruined Y&T. <laughs> and I think in the same year he did this. He did Down for the Count. Yeah, he might have like, done it in the same yeah. studio. I should go pull the vinyl, but I yeah. bet they did this. I bet it was and, done um, in Sound City. He ruined them. Yeah. And like, I, you listen to this, right? I've got to be honest here. Crusader is a good song. Sailing to America is a good song. The rest of it's crap. Um, a little bit of What You Fancy. You see, that was like that Van, one that's, there. That's they, Sax, had, that's, they had balls to put that on. That's here. Saxon trying to be Van Halen, right? Um, oh. I don't know if that was that or it was just that English music hall tradition, and yeah. they just went screw it, let's put it on. Yeah. Um, set me free was a cover. Ugh, but I do like Rock City. Oh, I hate that song. Really? Oh, rubbish. I think I just think there's two good songs on this album. I think the rest of them are awful. Like you look at you look at the album, right? Just let me rock. Bad boys live to rock and roll. Rock city. Yeah. Well, <laughs> just let me rock. I think is a valid Saxon song. I think you could have put that on. You know, one of the prior albums. Okay. And it and because it is, it's almost like it's their anthem that they're putting on here. So you know, this town knows how to rock, mm -hmm. and, and he, it, it's that kind of a feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
it's just a little bit more dirgy with the just let me rock. Yeah. The rock production at the production ruins it as well. Yeah. There's hardly any bass on it. You know, it's very um, po polished. Yeah. Very, vo very vocally. Vocals are very upfront on this. Harmonies and everything. And it kind of buries the guitars and yeah. the bass and the drums on it a lot. I and they're like, do it all for you. Oh, my God. Like, I, I think the other part, too, is that um, I think you're right. It does. And I think that was one of the things that was really the first hit for Steve Dawson was kind of. The bass was a hallmark. One of the things oh, I yeah. loved about Saxon oh, yeah. was Steve Dawson's bass. Mm -hmm. it, it set them apart from every other New yeah, Orleans well, band. Yeah, it was up front. You could yeah. hear it, and it was prominent. Yeah. yeah, and not only that, but if you you know you see like the old videos and stuff, mm -hmm. you looked at a lot of those New Orleans bands, and even a lot of bands today, the bass players like just kind of in the background. You never see Ian Hill up front no. on the stage, right? He's always in the back. But you would look at the early videos of Saxon, and it was always like Dobby and Biff, yeah. like together in mm -hmm. front. And it was so unusual to do that. But then his bass was so up front, too. And yet, you're right, it kind of disappeared from this one. And I think that really, you know, like, pissed him off. Well, this is the, the last one. He left after this one. Well, he's on, he's on Innocence. Is he on I'm pretty sure he's on Innocence. Well, you're right, he is. But, yeah, I mean... You know, other than that, I mean, like I said, cool cover, great inside. They finally got a sleeve. Oh, good. Let's have a look at that. <laughs> oh, nice. You know, and it's got lyrics. So mm -hmm. the other side of the sleeve is all, oh, okay. all lyrics, mm -hmm. which is cool, which is yeah. great. I mean, to actually be able to, like, see lyrics was fantastic because, you know, the vinyl and, I'm, you know, all good. I can listen to it. I can read the lyrics. But some of the other stuff, you're right. There's a certain amount of Americanness that's been put into here. Mm -hmm. That now, didn't need to be put what, in here. What would you define as an American sound? Who would you who would who would you put up there? Would it be like Journey or? Uh, well, yeah, I mean Journey, even even Van Halen. I mean, you you talked about stuff that he was doing, like yeah, um, you know, stuff Ario. like Ario Speedwagon, Sticks, Kansas. It, you know, it you, all it always blows my mind about bands like like Saxon, like that they could fall for this. Like, you know, oh, we're going to make it a new Van Halen. Or, yeah. Like, did it not go, hang on a second. That's, that's not going to work. We we have our own sound. But it's, I mean, you can kind of see a little bit of them of, right, the whole idea. I mean, like, I mean, I mean, you're from Ireland. If yeah. someone said, hey, you can go hang out in L.A. for a few weeks and make an album, and you'd be going, I can get out of the rain and crap for a few? Well, that's true. Awesome. I'm going to go do it. <laughs> you know? A ton of money. Okay, we're going to have you work women. with this guy. You probably, you know, you're not that crazy about him. But again... It's L.A. Yeah. Okay. So you figure, you know, what this, 84? Yeah. Yeah. So you can see that kind of playing into it, right? That they're going to go and do that. And I'm trying to think that the big metal albums in 80, when was Metal Health quite right? Was that 83, 84? Yep. So that would have been, they were probably trying to say, right, we'll have a bit of that over here maybe and try and emulate a bit of that. Yeah, I don't know if it, that's so much that is just the. Yeah, but you look at it, the, they've got a cover on it. Yeah. A cover version. Yeah. Quite right. I'd come on, feel the noise. The Slade song they did, a sweet song. Maybe that came into it a little bit. But it's it's um. You know, I like some of the songs on here. Um, I think some of the other ones, like you know, like Bad Boys, like to rock and roll. That one, that was the one that I felt was like a rip off. I felt that was a rip off of ACDC. Mm. No, do it all for you was to me. I remember driving to work in the car and that came on. And I was like, oh god. 
it's like oh i don't believe this yeah it's like this is the band that wrote strong arm of the law Alice <laughs> 1 p.m and like singing do it all for you ballady kind of song i'm like oh god that was yeah that was kind of the thing too this was the first album that kind of that the ballad crept onto the album too mm -hmm. which which for me you know 84 um i was like ah oh, just like i don't want to hear a ballad i just want i want like Hard rock, heavy metal, I don't want ballads. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and you would even mention, too, you know, like in 84, bands like Journey were freaking huge here. What were stadium? They were, stadiums. yeah, they were absolutely huge here. Mm -hmm. All those bands that were doing those ballads, um, you know, and I would like stuff like what Sticks with doing like, um, like Miss America. I mean, yeah. that was like a cool song or, or uh, Blue Collar Man. And then, I mean, what did they break up, you know, out with like Babe? Like, mm -hmm. oh, you're killing me. So you kind of get a, start to get a repeat see, of that with you, these guys. You can't, you can't blame the bands for doing this. You can fault them, all right. And well, yeah, I'll fault them for it. But at the time, you can't blame them for it. Now, they can say all they want about, oh, they were experimenting and everything. But the power and the glory, they got it bang on oh yeah and this they got it completely wrong yeah and like this is a year after yeah so i like either the, either they didn't like the power and the glory or or someone basically told them look yeah i think they had a lot more here. label involvement oh, you I, know standing in the studio we want you to do this and yeah and then that's kind of you know what happens to a lot of you know a lot of bands and they weren't you know they weren't the name players that they are today but still i mean i think you know overall you know i was still i was still happy i had a new saxon album a couple songs on here that i liked i had mm -hmm. everything else that that you know that they had put out they still play crusader don't they Anderson? yeah oh yeah so you know i still you know the, the big thing that was really hurt me on this one as a big a saxon fan as i am is it was it was that where was steve where's the bass yeah, it's, it's like it's not on it at all you know and that was always the thing with saxon was just always having that that rumble bass that you had to have it kind of be like take steve harris out of iron maiden and you'd be like what the hell what happened here yeah. you know you know after this then you go into a couple of strange years i think you know?
lot of of fans too, where they started, you know, losing it. You look at Innocence. The first thing that threw me on Innocence was the cover. Okay. Where I was like, "Is this a Scorpions cover?" Because <laughs> that's my first thought when I yeah. looked at it. Was like, "This is a Scorpions cover." Yeah. You know, like, is that the same girl from the Virgin Killer album, or you know? <laughs> and then you know, you look at the artwork, and you can see like on the back of the re-release and stuff, and you, you look at them with, you know, they're in Western outfits, and, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay. Uh, they're really kind of going to a different market. They're, they're like, the label's really stepped in Do you know what here. they're doing there? They're throwing darts on a dartboard and seeing which one sticks on it is what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of it's kind of crazy. You see, I, this to me is awful. I, 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 I hate this album. I think it's terrible. Um, I get, you look at the song titles. Rockin' Again, Rock and Roll Gypsy. You yeah, know, I, I actually I liked Rock and Broken Roll Gypsy. He Broken Heroes is is a pretty good song. Yeah, and, and that's I liked, the only one on it. What about Everybody Up? I like it. Everybody Up reminds me a lot of early Saxon too. It's yeah, but I think again the production ruins it. Um, <laughs> the second song, Call of the Wild, it, it just brought to mind. You, do you remember Beverly Hills Cop when Eddie Murphy's hanging off the back of the truck? Yeah. You could imagine Call it. You could hear Call of the Wild <laughs> being playing in the background. It's that. It's that kind of song. They're trying to get. You know. It's. Yeah. They're. They don't know where they are. They've. They've completely lost everything. Yeah. That made them, Saxon in in, in the beginning. Um, I think this one was on EMI. Uh, yeah. So you yeah. you you look at the big new album bands that. The Maidens and the Leopards and all that. Maiden had Rod Smallwood. Yeah. Basically told EMI, piss off. Yeah. We're going to make the albums and if you don't like it, tough. Yeah. And Leopard had Mensch and Bernstein, mm -hmm. who are basically... The, yeah, they're powerhouse. The big, yeah. yeah. And Saxon had, didn't have either R. Right. Um, so they were probably, they probably didn't know what they were doing. Yeah. The band. And um, it's just complete, completely lost it on this album for me and it, if you look there's two bonus tracks on this live fast die young and krakatoa are mm -hmm. good songs they're, they're better than anything on the album because i don't think they've they've been as produced as the as the album and um, they're really really good sounds sounds a lot more like early saxon yeah i think you know the other part too is you know if you think back to 85 what was going on, what bands were doing. I mean, this wasn't unusual because there were a lot of bands out there that had a certain sound and then it was basically, you know, they got signed and their label said, okay, good, now do this. Mm -hmm. Because it started to be that age of, okay, that label has that band that does that and they've got a hit. We need a band that does that as yeah. well. Um, and so you started to have a lot of that sameness across a lot of labels and, and I think that, you know, they probably are getting a lot of, you know, no, we need to have a more commercial thing. We know we need to do this. We need to do that. Uh, you know, and it's that we need to find that market. We need to make, you know, all this money off of you. We don't care about the past or anything else. It's just like you're now a commodity. We're yeah. going to mold you and do it. So I think you start to see some of this. And obviously the casualty of that is they lose Steve Dawson. Steve Dawson's gone. They can hardly hear him on the album anyway. Yeah, truth be told, but um, um no, it's terrible. <laughs> you know terrible when you do album. see, you see, remember you read the liner notes in this, and I think they said that um, the guy who produced it was worked under Mutt Lang. Yeah, and you can definitely see it on this. 
like you, you look at N- Nightmare on Power and the Glory, the backing vocals on that. Yeah. You look at the backing vocals on this and it's like, hang on a second, there's no way that's the same right. band. Because yeah. they've got guys in to do the backing vocals on it or, you know, because it, it just sound it just sounds completely different. It's got no life to it at all. The songs have no life to it. Right. To them. But it is too, you know, with, you know, you're talking 85. Mm-hmm. Now we haven't hit, we haven't hit, um, we haven't hit 87, so we haven't hit White Snake yet. No, and and having that, but we're on our way. Yeah, you know, and 80, you're starting to have a lot of this the big, overly produced I'm stuff. I think of the big albums in '85. Um, off the top of my head, I can't think of any multi multi platinum albums. Theodore Payne. That's eighty four, eighty five. Yeah, and you, I mean, you look like you know Van Halen's eighty four. Yeah, it had a it, that had a lot of high for the time high production values, mm-hmm. you know. And even I mean, a lot of those bands too. They look back and they go, they listen to the production, they go, ooh, ugh, what are we, mm-hmm. you know, what were we thinking about it? Um, so, so you kind of do have that, and I, I think you know, like I said, I was sad to see you know no more Steve Dawson after this, but yeah, um, you know, it's I don't know. Like I said, I like a few of the songs on here. But it really was, and and also I will say this that I've got a different view of this now than I did in '85. When in '85 I was, this was kind of like the new sound. So it it was um, even though I was like you know I could look back and go oh, I really liked you know Heavy Metal Thunder and yeah. and you know Princess of the Night and and all that. But then you were getting hit with a lot of these other bands and had like this kind of production value and it was new and and you were trying to duplicate that same kind of stuff with your own band. So at the time, some of these songs was like, yeah, all, you know, all right, I can't, I know, all right, you know, they're, it's up to date, it's all this. But at the same time, you do kind of miss, again, you miss the bass and you're, you kind of just did wish that, oh, you know, I wish it was heavier, I wish it was, you know, punchier. more of the interplay yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, it was punchier. Yeah. It's, um, it's got... It's got like the electronic drums on it. It's got you know the, um, the machine type vocals on it. You know the effects, and I think it's trying to use all the modern technology at the time, trying to get everything in there to see if we can get something out of it. Yeah. Um. But uh, I don't know if they play on any of this live anymore. Yeah. Uh, uh, maybe not. I don't. I think this album is definitely a lot. They looked, looked on fondly by a lot of Saxon fans. I think they made. They think they still do rock and roll gypsy. Okay, which probably sounds ten times better live than it does on this. Yeah. <laughs> but no, broken broken heroes is the only song I'd in ha- any way like on it at all. Yeah, and the rest of them is forgettable to me. It's just, ugh. and I I'll, I'll be honest with you, I listened to this one a lot more than I should have. Because I was thinking, this one will click, and this one will click, and this one will click. And yeah. Like, and then give it everything you got. Another Van Halen-y kind of song. Uh-huh. Like, oh, no. <laughs>
right, so why don't we move on to the next one then? Right. Rock the Nation. So the next one, love this cover. Yes. Great cover. Yeah. You know, it's one of these ones where you look at it and you're like, so what's going on? What's going on in this cover? And you kind of like would get into looking at it, trying to figure it all out. Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I love the cover. The back, yeah, the back's like classic sax. Not anything new there, but what's interesting on the remaster is the, um, the little picture on the back of the remaster. Mm -hmm. So you look at that, and of course the first thing that pops into my head when I look at that is Def Leppard. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, which is kind of which is kind of funny, but that's kind of what, what pops in is that whole Paul Quinn has hair. Yes, Paul Quinn has hair. Like, where did that come from? Yeah, he had a bad taste in baseball caps for a few of the albums, and all of a sudden he's got this um, head of hair on him. And I, 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 I remember a Kerrang magazine they had this um, section in it for a while, and it was called Syrup of Figs, which is Cockney rhyming slang for uh -huh. wigs. Yeah, and Paul Quinn was one of the first guys they put in. They put in it before. An after picture, and it was like one or two guys in the Scorpions had been in that. Like, so these guys were Paul Quinn was like, What the hell is going on here? You know, where did this come from? So, I, I always remember that, all right. Yeah, it's it was it was funny that he's and not only was it, I mean, he always had the baseball caps and kind of more or less kind of like this kind of straight, scraggly hair that was sticking out, but now he's basically got like the 80s like fro thing going, yeah. too. Like, he's got. It isn't just that he has hair. He has a lot. He's of got it. big hair. Yeah, he's got a lot. Of it. <laughs> I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> cool title. Mm -hmm. Love the title. Uh, and you know, some of the songs here were, were pretty cool. I like the title track. "Waiting for the Night" was interesting. "Waiting for the Night," I like it, but not so much because of a, of it being a metal song, because it's really not so much a metal song. But it it I, the first time I heard it, I was like. Did Phil Linnott write this? Because yeah. it really had that Thin Lizzy, like Phil Linnott, to me, kind of sound. Yeah, I can yeah, I can hear what you're saying you know? there, yeah. And there were a few, you know, Running Hot was pretty cool. And then they had another, like, fun song with Party Till You Puke, oh. with Elton John, no less, playing on it. <laughs> okay. That, uh, See, the thing with Elton John, you have to remember at that time. Is, he was so out of it, he could have been playing piano on a Cannibal Corpse album and he wouldn't have He wouldn't know, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't read anything into that. Um, the album itself, first thing, the drum sound on this is a huge... It reminds me of Creatures of the Night. Yeah. The drum sound is massive on this. Yeah. Um, Rock the Nations, love that song. Battle Cry, great song. Yeah. Huge drum sound on that, and I was like, "Oh, great Saxon are back!" And then yeah. it was like, after that, it was, "Oh, here we go again." It was kind of, you and know, you're back right. to there's, the same old, same old. There's some moments on this album, Northern La Northern Lady is a good song, that are like my favorite drum moments on an album ever. Mm. I mean, you hear it and go, "Holy yeah. shit!" And you never would have expected to hear that on a Saxon album. Yeah. Like, absolutely blew me away, mm. and you like go back and listen to it again because just that there's just these certain moments on it where the drums just just blow you away they're huge the drum sound on it's huge but that was too you know you, you start talking about about you know 86 87 you start to start to get that bigger drum sound and people are using deeper toms and mm -hmm. things like that and you know deeper bass shells but yeah it is it's massive drum sound yeah Sonically, this almost sounded sounds like it belongs in '87. It just has a huge sound to it, and I, I like it. I, I think it's held up really well. It's better than Innocence, but that wouldn't be hard. It's better. <laughs> it's better than Crusader. 
um it it's got three or four really good songs on it it's got some filler on it yeah. party till you puke is embarrassing but it's interesting to i mean if you took somebody who didn't know the the chronology and you said you know put this in where it belongs mm-hmm. they probably would not put it in no here no they'd they'd be putting it up somewhere after destiny yeah like you know does it belong around solid ball does it mm-hmm. belong around dogs of war yeah you know but it it doesn't it's most people i think they wouldn't know and they wouldn't even believe you if you told them oh it goes between innocence and destiny yeah they'd be like really because i mean it sounds i think it's the ba- light years ahead of innocence yeah it's the band i think trying to get their sound back and really? half succeeding well, the other part, too, is interesting on this, right, is that there's really only three, you know, three, four? Four guys. Four guys. Yeah. That, that, that because Biff does all the bass on yeah. this. You can hear the bass on this one as well. Which... But it's definitely different. It's not It's not Steve's bass, and, and it's definitely not, you You know, you get to hear is it Paul Johnson, like, on the next one. Mm-hmm. But it's not, it's not his bass either, and a lot of people don't realize that it's biff playing bass on it but it is but it's yeah it's a huge it's a huge album it just it just sounds incredible it does uh and i i, I love just pulling this one out and popping this in and listening to it you know out of nowhere and it's just, it's just really refreshing to mm. hear it now the, the liner notes in this site this has been one of their undiscovered gems i'll i'll agree to it up to a point it's not a great album it's got some great tracks on it it sounds fantastic Mm-hmm. As sonically, it sounds great, but um, there are some great tracks on here. Um, again, I don't know if they play any of this live anymore. Battle Cry to me is f- the, the standout track of the, of the album. I think it's a brilliant song. Yeah. Um, you know, trying to get their sound back and ha- half succeeding, half succeeding. I think I, I don't know if the producer was English or American on this though. Um, Gary Lyons not a name i'm familiar with no i think i think gary's american okay he's done a lot of stuff okay. kevin beamish is unavailable then <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's yeah i know i i really like this album mm-hmm. um it is one of those ones that's in this kind of this second period of saxon that you know it's the best of the bunch for that and again you just you pop it in and you it's hard to believe that it, it came between the two albums that it comes between yeah you know, you don't usually get that. You usually kind of get this, you know, a continued downward or a continued upward and not kind of a, you know, something that's cool and then, yeah, and then kind of flaccid and then like, holy crap. And you expect, okay, good, back on track. All right, this is going to be good. Then you get something totally different. I think, again, you got to look at it. It's, um, what was it? Yeah, they're, at this stage, they're still doing an album a year. Yeah. So... I think you got to keep that in mind as well, plus touring. Uh, so I think maybe uh, the well was running a little bit dry as well, song-wise. Yeah, it could be. I mean, yeah, they're popular. They're doing all kinds of stuff. And yeah. yeah, you're right.
then I seriously don't know what the hell happened with this album. Destiny. I love the cover. And the cover is great. I love it. I always loved it. And the cover's great and, and you get Destiny and you're thinking, alright. This is good, you know. You've got Rock the Nations. Now you got. De I mean, it's such a strong word. Mm -hmm. Cover's cool. Mm -hmm. You know, you always look at it and, and you're like, "What's that thing? What's it made of?" Yeah. What's... And and even the scale up, because you see a ladder, and you're like, "How big is this thing?" And it's probably tiny. Yeah. <laughs> In danger of being squashed by a dwarf. Yeah. yeah. But and then again, I think that I don't know if they did this just just to be clever or what. But on the remasters, you know, it's almost like the the little picture of the band on the back of the remasters like tells the tale. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know what I mean? So you see this and it's like, oh boy. Well, you can hardly see Graham Oliver. They're all in soft focus. <laughs> you know, and and uh, it's like this, Just it's like, did they go to glamour shots to get this done? It just, it just didn't. I think all you, all you gotta do with this album, I think, is go onto YouTube and look at the video of Ride Like the Wind <laughs> and just cringe in embarrassment. Well, that was, I mean, that was the first thing. You know, you get this, I see the track, and I'm like, okay, Ride Like the Wind. I'm like, it can't be. It, it just can't be. Christopher Cross. <laughs> it just can't. It can't be what I think it's gonna be. And it's like, it's gotta be, okay, it's, it's, a, it's another, it's gonna be a classic Saxon motorcycle riding song happens to have the same name as some other horrible song yeah and then you hear it and you're like oh no it's that song like what are they thinking um now there are some cool things on here uh for whom the bell tolls which is not a metallica cover i love that song but that's a really good song i, I on love here. i love that song when i heard it because and, a friend uh, of mine had that on cassette uh jericho siren weird yeah. title good song but some of the other ones, the beginning, it's like what? song for Emma. Rubbish. Well, when I when I heard this first, I was like, there's actually two covers on this, because uh, they covered um, uh, what John Waits missing you and called it I can't wait anymore, <laughs> because it's it's exactly the same. And but what if you the song on this like we are strong? Just listen to the keyboards on that. Yeah. You just, you just want to throw up you're in 87 you oh. are definitely in 87 on this album that's where, where the lightning strikes i like that um there's good there's ideas on this but i think the sound is really really polished on this the guitar sound is has no yeah they sucked the life yeah, out of it there's no inclination to what the classic sound is on the right. on this at all right it's very it reminds me a lot of crazy nights you know the guitar tone Bruce mm -hmm. Kulik had on crazy yeah. nights yeah, it's even, I mean, even you, you listen to, you know, the tone on Rock the Nations and you'd wish that it was on this album too, but it's not, mm. you know? Uh, yeah, it's very polished. Um, a couple of good songs on there, but I mean, it's tough going when it starts with a Christopher Cross cover. Yeah. Uh, and I know that this, you know, this killed the band for a lot of people. But you see... Bands have to obviously never realize that covers aren't for albums. Yeah. Covers are for B sides. Mm -hmm. Iron Maiden got it right. Metallica yeah. got it right. Um, especially track one, side one. You know, it's like it, that's what pisses me off about bands like Saxon. Like, did no one have the balls to stand up and say, "Look, Christopher, okay, you want it on the album, but yeah. side one, track one, come on." Yeah. 
you know, bury it somewhere on it. And, and but it's like they're basically selling their soul on this. But but like they tried it on Crusader, they yeah. tried it on Innocence, and they tried it on Rock the Nations. Listen, guys, it's not working. Yeah, you know, you're not you're not going to break the states. You've done it three times. It's not working. So you know, this got hammered back home when it came out. Oh, really? Absolutely yeah. hammered. And they can try and put revisionist history on this and say, oh, it's got some good songs on it and, you know, we're going for a different approach. I mean, this got hammered. Yeah, that's interesting because it, here it basically just, it, it got panned to the point that it wasn't discussed. Oh, this, but, was, this was discussed yeah. badly. Yeah. You know, it was basically, they suck now, finished, or Saxon are done. Yeah. You know, Leopard did it, made, Le, Leopard did it by, doing it their way and they were huge and Maiden did it by doing it the other way by sticking to their guns mm. and basically saying this is our sound or Saxon tried to do a bit of everything yeah and uh, they just they were laughed at yeah to be honest when this came out which is too bad you know but yeah yeah it, it was really it, it was just kind of sad um, and it, I mean you could see there were some still there were some good songs on here it's like just if there were just a few more good songs, if they hadn't let off with that first, you know, with the song they let off with, it was like, oh my God, I just, I can't believe that they did that. It's the keyboards as well. That, oh, mm. You know, like, we are strong. My God. And everything, you know, at that point, everything was, was getting keyboards. Yeah. Too, you know, I mean, I've got the vinyl version of High and Dry, mm -hmm. the first version with yeah. no keyboards. So, you know, then when I see it on, I got it on CD and I'm, and it always just sounds weird because for the longest time, I listened to it with no keyboard. Yeah. Even when the videos came out on MTV, and it was like, what is that? It's got keyboards, mm -hmm. you know? Uh, but everything was getting keyboards. Yeah. And I mean, even, you know, at that point, I was guilty of that, too. Because we'd go record stuff, and and it'd be like, oh, okay, we're in the studio, and okay, well, I can add that keyboard line to it now. And we even I remember even live, I would do stuff where... Um, See, 88, yeah, so 88, I was still doing bass, and it would be, I would do bass and keyboards. Yeah. You know, and be able to just, and try to mix both. I mean, it was a clusterfuck when I did it, but, it, you know, it was, I mean, every band was doing it. I was equally as guilty of doing yeah, it. Yeah, we see a lot a lot of the bands, you you know, that had their classic sound, tried to add in keyboards. Yeah. And it, it, it killed them. Like, I, I brought up Crazy Nights. That was the first real Kiss album that had keyboards on it. Yeah. And they were pillared. They were lambasted. Everyone was like, keyboards on a Kiss album. And then Maiden tried it on Seven Sun. Do you remember in the intro to Seven yeah. Sun? And it was like, Maiden with keyboards. Yeah. Oh, God. And they, I mean, they still to this day have keyboards. They have a keyboard player. Yeah. You know, live and stuff. That, but it's not, it isn't really obvious. I mean, like I have respect for like Dio, where Dio was like, you know, I have keyboards. You had him on the stage. With Here's him. Claude Schnell. Yeah. He's right here. Mm -hmm. He's right out on stage, right out in front. Yeah. You know, because at that point, you know, I probably told you that, you know, like going to see like Cinderella and you're in their full hairband, makeup, yeah. clothing thing, and they have a keyboard player and he's in a little Old cloth guy. box yeah. behind the stage, <laughs> full makeup, the whole thing, playing his keyboards. Like you're in a, no one can, they've hidden you like... There's sounds, but we can't. We're just gonna pretend we don't know where they come from. Yeah. Um, yeah. There were a lot of bands that were just having offstage, you know, keyboard players. Uh, but like I said, Dio was pretty cool that he just was like, nope, 
there he is, Clutch Now. He's a member. Yeah. Um, but you do see, you know, even now, was it when we saw, uh, like, Heaven and Hell, and they have, you know, a keyboard player, and the keyboard player was just kind of off. And even with Black Sabbath, I mean, how many times did, you know, for, you know, for with Jeff, Jeff played with Jeff, them for years. Jeff Nichols. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but you never saw the guy. No. I'm just looking at this. Another thing I noticed about this album, Stephen Galfus, um, he did Stripers to Hell with the Devil around this time as well. Really? Yeah. So maybe, and that was big over here, wasn't it? Oh, yeah. On, was it Honestly? or The ballad, one did a ballad on that album was pretty big. There, yeah, that was big. I mean, MTV was playing that like every hour. Yeah. And um, yeah, that, that one hit. That one hit really, really big here. Yeah. Yeah, because he did he did that album as well as this time. So this was '88. So he probably did this one straight after that. And that was, and that too. That was an album too where their sound changed from the prior album to that, where it kind of ramped to a really more modern. Yeah. For that time mm -hmm. period, sound. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it is. I mean, you know, we do have to kind of put it in context too of that we're sitting here, you know, in 2012. We're looking back at these albums that were done, you know, late '80s, and we know everything that's come past—good, bad, ugly—and mm. but this one, I can, I can really just remember getting it, being psyched, New Saxon cover looks great. You're like Destiny, all right. Knew how the last one sounded, knew psyched, and then Christopher fucking Cross. <laughs> you see, I, I, I prefer this one to Innocence. Yeah, I think it's got better songs on it. <laughs> You know, even even with the like even with the keyboards and all that, I think some of the songs are are better on this. Yeah, but uh, I mean, they do have some kick-ass songs. From the Bell Tolls is a great song. I love it. You know, I love it. I'd love uh, to hear that live. You know, that's that's you know, so they obviously still have it. Uh, Look where it is on this on the track list and though a song like that. That yeah. should be the song one, or even I mean, song two. Even um, you know, you think about this as a vinyl release. So song one, side one, is Ride Like the Wind. Yeah. Song one, side two, is Song for Emma. Yeah, both terrible songs. You know? Keyboards, and one's a cover and one's full of keyboards. And that is no way to sequence an album. No. You know? Definitely not. The Can Before the Storm is okay. It's got it's got its moments. Yeah. You know, I, I won't, you know, I'm not going to kick it like some of the other ones as much. But it definitely has a has a kind of a just a. It's had a bad taste in its wake for a long time, and, and it's, it's good to get your perspective of how uh, you know. What it did, you know, overseas too. It killed him. Yeah. It killed, if the other albums didn't kill him, this this one. And that's good. And I mean, that's also the perspective too of that. I mean, you know, you know, this is a band out of the out of the UK. This is close to home for you. This yeah. is you know what I mean. This yeah. is like, like one of your guys. Mm -hmm. You know. Um, and did, you see this is the album now this this uh, rock the nations is 86 so this yeah. is 88 so this is the first time they had two years to do an album and uh they came out with that you know so yeah it's uh, i don't know i think it's, it's funny though you're like i know i brought up paul quinn's hair and it's it's a laugh and everything but they really did go to town back home and yeah. in the magazines about that well it, it, it was know, laughable because it was like it went along with the music because the music at the time was big hair music yeah. and all of a sudden this ball guy yeah from a you know a blue collar band like you know from england yeah all of a sudden had this massive head of hair and it was like 
okay, we have the sound of the band now to laugh at, but we can also back it up with, just look at this guy. Right. He's a joke. That was my thing. You know, it was like, when I saw that, I'm like, wait a minute, Quinny's got hair. Uh Uh-oh. Because, yeah, I mean, it was always short hair, baseball cap, didn't give a crap. Yeah. You know, and you had Dobby with, you know, with short hair and a porn stash. He didn't give a crap. And he was balding. And this was like, whatever, go out and do it. Yeah, but even even look at the hair on the new drummer on that. It's... Terrible. Just look, just YouTube ride like the wind, Saxon. And just yeah, laugh. but I knew once I saw it, it was like hair. He's got, he never had hair. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, but you know, like I said, everybody was doing that. I mean, yeah. you know, you know, we talk about when we talked about about the you know the the books a few weeks ago and stuff. And is someone gonna like publish a book of like? Who, who wore wigs, who had weaves. I mean, mm. At some point, it's probably going to come out, right? Yeah. That someone's going to publish all that. And, and uh, some of them th- that we know are, you know, obvious. Again, we'll talk, Vinnie Vincent, I can remember, somebody was talking about that story about him, like, always wanting to have his own private tour bus because... Uh, Don Dawkins was the other one. Yeah. Because he had fallen asleep on the bus once and his mm. wig, like, came off kind of thing. And, uh, but yeah, Don Dawkins, yeah, that's another one, that obvious one. That was the one I heard about Don, no wig, no gig. <laughs> <laughs> you know, all I could think of, I mean, that time period too was, I mean, it was big. I remember we were playing a gig downtown here. It was one of those radio station gigs, and it was the station always did a thing for us where they knew we never wanted to be the, the headliner because you're the last band on. Yeah. You, either people have gone home or they're too shit faced to remember yeah. you. So we would always take the second to last spot. So mm-hmm. we'd always automatically, you know, you, you want to do the show with us? Yeah, great. Second to last spot, yep, good, boom. But there'd always be these bands that would be like, we're the headliner. And so I can just remember now that, you know, even at that time, uh, our drummer was going bald. And uh, and he just was like, all right, it is what it is. Yeah. I'm going bald. Who gives a shit? And uh, I, I can remember early on in our career, he used to do, uh, he used to wear like a, uh, like a naval cap or something. Because that was like what the drummer in... Uh, Sticks used to do. Okay. So he like he and he really liked that drummer, so he would do that. But then he was like, ah, no, screw it. I'm going ball, I'm going ball. The hell with it. But I can remember we're, we're got, you know, we're we're doing this and, and uh we're getting ready to go on. And he's like, I gotta take a leak. I'm like, all right, you know, we got a minute. So he comes back out and I'm looking at him and his face is just like it's like this mix of like horror and humor. I'm like, dude, what? And and he's like, You're not gonna believe this. I don't know. It's like, so this band that was the headliner had been walking around like their shit didn't smell all night because they were the headliner. Oh, Not knowing that they were the headliner because we said, we want second to last. Yeah. That's what we want. And he goes, the lead singer. I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's in the bathroom. Yeah. He's like, hair in a can. I'm like, what? Oh, no. He was, he was putting spray on hair on. No. No. <laughs> Oh, uh, and so um, yeah, we had gone up, and 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 the word had gotten to our guitar player too. And Mark was always always up for like giving someone a jab, and uh, sometimes he just kind of had that classic Johnny Rotten kind of punk attitude towards him, and and uh, he and it was funny because a lot of times he was just like really a stodgy guy, but when he he would just get something under his craw, and like the whole time we'd, we'd you know do us we're doing the set. And I'd be talking, and and you know, all of a sudden I'd hear like, "Hey, what? You, you spray that hair on? 
<laughs> no? Okay, just checking. And it was like, he kept doing stuff like that through the whole set. And he'd like look out and the other band was like sitting out there and they'd just be oh, looking gosh. down like, they know, they know. Uh -huh. <laughs> but I mean, that was a time period too. It was just ridiculous. <laughs> through Saxon Mach 2, which is mm -hmm. an incredible feat. I think maybe people thought we're going to go, hate that, hate that, hate no, that. No, I, th I think... It has its moments. It, it really does, and I don't think you get a full feel for everything unless you really, you know, listen to everything that, that's on here. And again, too, it's, it's a little different, you know, when you sit here in 2012 and you look back at an album that's made in, you know, 85, 86, 87. You know, you look at something like the White Snake album, 87. And when we look at that now and go, you know, okay, it's a White Snake album. But in '87, it was like a, you know, and Jay and I have talked about this. It was like, holy shit, it was huge. I mean, the sound was huge. Everything yeah. was huge on Guitar, it. Guitar, tone, everything. And it was just, it was just incredible. And, you know, now you look at it and go, yeah. And then people start poking at the 80s production and all that. And so the same with these, too. The, the stuff on here that, again, you listen to Rock the Nations and you're thinking, really? That was '86? That's yeah. doesn't sound '86. It sounds much more modern than that even with you know with these albums with their ups and downs i mean i'm still i'm still a saxon fan i was still a saxon fan i still continued to wait for the next albums to come out granted a lot of people after destiny were kind of all right we're done buy anything you know and, and it seemed like is like a very common theme of they're done until one of two things either the recent one call to arms mm-hmm or it seems like Into the Labyrinth grabbed a lot of people for some reason. Inner Sanctum. And you know, it's it's um, it's just, yeah, it's weird, but I think they lost a lot of people, unfortunately, after Destiny. 
I think you look at these five though, and the parent of glory stands out. Oh yeah. By far as the best. And that's the first one of the five. So you can imagine the the downhill slope they went on right. from there. But the, you have to put it into perspective, you're right. And you have to I think you have to understand the pressures they must have been under at the time. Mm. Because the labels just they saw all these other bands either having hit singles with covers or whatever and it was like you know you have to do this you have to do this you have to do this and revisionist history is great but at the time to bring out an album a year i don't think that they had the time to sit around and you know maybe plan out their career at that stage it was like you know we've had four or five albums we want some of that what they're getting we're as talented as they are. Surely we can change our sound. We can do that. We can do anything. Yep. And you're talking. You're talking the '80s. You're talking about. To my mind, I don't care what they say about about Napster and downloading or anything else. That that really the root of the destruction of the music industry starts like 1983, 1984. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's when all of a sudden you started having these these bands that were writing all their own stuff well brands that you didn't have a lot of you didn't have to put a lot of investment into a pop band and stuff in in prepping them and making them correct and getting them songwriters and all that you had this little factory to put out the songs and it was just it was the greed switch just went on and it Mm -hmm. was you know write this write that and you know album a year pump them out and i think that really that's where the that whole there wasn't the development of the band anymore no definitely not you know it was now a case of rather than development and do what you do just get better at it get more comfortable at it it was go this way go that way which isn't development it's the the only labels at the time you're talking about the mid to late 80s that developed bands were the likes of music for nations and metal blade all the, the the smaller label bands all the major labels weren't like that at all right all, well yeah the majors well like atlantic was still doing that to a point at that time but that was like atlantic's legacy was doing that kind of stuff um that's why you know when you talk about people like armin erdogan that's why they're kind of revered because they were still they were still doing that they loved the musician as the artist yeah so they could you know what i mean and so they were they were partners with that but you know a lot of the other bands, uh, bands labels, they were just falling into this thing of, you know, for one you had like Polygram coming in with the distribution and their demands, and so you had labels that were buckling to all that kind of stuff, yeah. and and yeah, it just became this huge machine. And oh, these guys they have this hit and it sounds like this and they look like this. Okay, that means we all need to go out again and sound like that, look like that band as well, and. And oh, by the way, oh, there's five more of them that look just like it. We'll sign them too. We're going to kill them off. Yeah. Just to get them off the table. And it all started in that time period. Yeah, true. You know? True. Pressures was were intense at that point. Yeah, you look like I brought up Kevin Beamish earlier on, Rune and Y&T. I think yeah. they're a classic example. You look at their early career. Dad Bean Streak, Black Tiger, and all Airchaker. Brilliant. Yeah. Fantastic yeah. albums. Yep. Yeah. And then they had Down for the Count. You know, um, contagious. Uh huh. So, which isn't like the nadir of their careers. It's like destiny. You know, some of them go, "Oh God!" Like they're, they're that's a band that 
the major labels killed. Yeah. And they had a cover version as well. It was um, Summertime Girls yeah. or, or something like that. And uh, that killed them as well. So they're, I think they're a prime example of it, where the label just went, right, do this. Yeah. And if you don't do it, we have someone else will do it. And the, the, the band just buckled yeah. and went along with it and killed them. Yeah. Yeah, so. yeah, I agree. So what do you think? I think we've, we've wrapped up Saxon Mach 2. Mach 2. We'll be heading with Mach 3 sometime in the future. So mm -hmm. uh, I think that'll do it for this week. This is Scott. And Richie. Saying have yourselves a metal week. And we will talk to you again next week right here on Focus on Metal. Everything else is insignificant. <sighs>